says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. Because it is a source of spiritual strength for our lives. As I step back, I thank you for the spirit of God breathing on your word and breathing on your people. I thank you for signs, miracles, and wonders following your word. And I pray today that the word will find good soil. And be deposited in our hearts for our lives to change for the better. And if you believe that prayer, say amen. Amen, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. By the way, if you went to our retreat over the weekend. Yes, and Tia, who led worship there, is here. Stand up, stand up, Tia. Well, we're in a new series entitled Common Sense. Everybody say Common Sense. And the word sense is spelled C-E-N-T-S. And the focus uh, for this whole series is the truth about money. Now, every year I try to take about 10% of the year and teach on giving, teach on increase, teach on faith for money for the whole time because I believe that the only way you can have faith for something is you have to hear God's word on it. Amen. And so last week I made a powerful point that I want to reiterate because last week we still talked about the truth about money. It was part two. And uh, this is what I said. We must learn to give from our wills and not just from how we feel. I'm going to say that again. We must learn how to give from our wills and not just from how we feel. And the best way that I gave you all how to do that is to become a reward conscious giver. Everybody say a reward conscious giver. See what that means is it's like cheerleading. We gave that example last week. When you are a cheerleader, it doesn't matter how you feel, doesn't matter what the weather is, you have to get up there and cheer. In other words, you're cheering from your will and not necessarily from how you feel. Well, when you become a reward conscious giver, what that means is you eliminate how you feel when it's time to give. And what you lean on is the promise that God makes you from being a giver. So this morning, my subject title is different. It's different than what's on the CD out there. Uh, but I'm going to talk about lies about giving. Lies about giving. If you have your Bibles, I want you to find Genesis chapter 8. We're going to look in verse 22. Genesis 8, 22. And then we're going to look in Mark chapter 4, verses 26. Now, I'm going to cover a lot of scripture this morning because I feel that this is one of the most important areas in a believer's life. Giving is so powerful that when God created Adam, the only way Adam was able to breathe is that God had to give him some breath. And you know, watch this. What had, what if Adam tried to keep that one breath that God gave him? He would die. Because when God gives you something, you're designed 
to give back. And so the only way that Adam was able to get another breath is that he had to let go of the one that he got. Amen. Now, uh, I want to give you some unusual facts or information about the U.S. dollar. Unusual facts. Everybody say unusual facts. I have five of them. You can just listen. In 2015, a Chinese billionaire bought a U.S. painting for the amount of $170 million on his credit card. And here is why. So that he could use the points for free airfare. Now, see, I know what some of you all are thinking. Well, if he got that much money, why does he need free points? Well, why wouldn't he get free points if he could get it? Amen. How many of those billionaires want to save money too? Here's number two. According to the World Bank, an estimate of over $1.5 billion is paid on bribes every year. I believe half of that money takes place in Jamaica. (laughs) Here's number three. As of 2016, Bill Gates could give everyone in the world Ten dollars and still have three billion dollars to himself. Here's another one about Bill Gates. I like this one. At a spending rate of one million dollars a day, it would take Bill Gates 218 years to spend all of his money. Here's the last one. By law, only dead people can appear on all U.S. currency. How many didn't know that? Let me see your hand. So I want to start this morning out with a testimony that I I received. About three weeks ago, one of our members gave a tithe twice. On the same day, it was the same time, and it was the same amount. And sometimes when this happens, my office will call the person to contact them to make sure it wasn't a mistake. Well, when they contacted this person, they said it was done by faith. And so they called me and said, well, pastor, it was done by faith. Well, I said, well, whatever they're in faith for, I am too. Well, here's how the testimony went. Well, God miraculously moved in their life three weeks later. I'm going to read it to you. This is what they wrote. This year, something happened with my vacation time at the job, causing me to lose 40 hours of vacation. This year, my wife got pregnant and my job took an additional 40 hours of vacation due to a mechanical shutdown and retooling. This is at General Motors. I was persistent in asking the, the, the uh, HR department about the 40 hours I was supposed to have for the birth of our second son. Being a dad, that's priority to me. I love being a dad. Well, I've been praying about the situation and found some favor. I say favor. And found some favor with one of my bosses who stated he could give me three days off paid and the rest would be unpaid. Well, check this out. This was, he says, yesterday, which was uh, a week ago. Yesterday, a compensation package came out for 2017 that stated all parents get paid two weeks for the first year of their child's life. Now, you have to understand his child is going to be born in a week. This was for 2017. He says, cool, right? But here's the kicker. The company made it effective October 1st, 2016. So the 40 hours that he lost, he now gets two weeks off pay to bond with his child and adjust to a new life. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap. 
So what I want to do this morning is give you just probably maybe three or four, depending on how many I can get through, some lies about giving. So here's the first lie that I want you to write down, and here it is. I should never expect anything when I give. I should never expect anything when I give. Now go to Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. Now, here's why I'm going to use a lot of scripture this morning. Because when it comes to giving, the sad thing about it is, most pastors assume that most church people understand the scriptural aspect of giving and they don't give them scripture. And so now they think the pastor is just telling them what he feels. But see, the faith is not in my words. The faith is in God's word. So watch this now. Most people think, well, you shouldn't give and want something back. You know, that sounds selfish. Well, let's see what God's word has to say about it. In Genesis 8.22, this was right after the uh, the flood, uh, I think, and everything. It says, while the earth remains. Question, is the earth still here? Look at your neighbor and say, we ain't on Mars. <laughs> while the earth remains. Watch this now. Seed time. Everybody say seed time. Seed time, now watch this here, and what? And harvest, because you cannot have one without the other. I'm going to skip the rest of it and go down to the bottom and says, and day and night shall not see. So watch what this, this verse is saying. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest shall not cease. Watch this. Why is it? That God has now put a principle or a law in place that will never stop until the earth is gone. Here's my point. People say, well, I don't know. Should I expect God? You know, I don't want him to feel like uh, I'm just giving to get. Well, here's the thing. Giving and receiving is a principle. Say principle. It's a spiritual principle or law that is activated. Watch this. By the natural By law, because there must be a harvest connected. You cannot have a seed going into the ground without some type of harvest. Now, sometimes people sow a seed because they don't water it. They sow a seed and they don't get the harvest because they don't water it. But it doesn't mean that the seed doesn't have power in it. So I'm going to show you how to water your seed. I'll do that probably in my next teaching. But I wanted you to see... That the reason why we can expect something is because it is a spiritual principle that is already in force. It's already activated. It's like the law of gravity. Even if you don't believe in it, it is going to happen. Amen. Now, let me ask you something. When he said that the earth remains, there will be seed, time, and harvest, and that will not cease. Here's my question. Does that sound like something should happen after a seed is planted? Absolutely. Now, in Mark chapter 4, verse 26, they're going to put it on the screen. It says this. Jesus was talking. And he said, so is the kingdom of God as if a man should cast seed. Everybody say seed. He should cast seed into the ground and should sleep and rise night and day. Watch this. And the seed should spring and grow up. He knows not how. For the earth brings forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after the full corn in the ear, verse 29. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he puts the sickle, read this with me, because the harvest is come. Let me ask you a question again. Does this sound like something happens when you put a seed in the ground? Okay, so I'm trying to get you to understand that when you give, 
There is a response that God has that's automatically in the process. It's like, you know, back in the day when I wasn't saved. When you cuss somebody out, they cuss you back out. How many know what I'm talking about? Yeah, no. Oh, oh, listen, it wasn't no cuss time and harvest. It was cuss harvest. That's what you got. Soon as you cuss them out, they cuss you out. Wasn't no wait time at all. See, see, some things you get instant harvests. Yeah, I mean, watch, try when you leave here. Just smile at somebody. You'll get a smile back for the most part. What, what y'all laughing at? What? Well, you got to flow with me. Watch this now. He says, when you put a seed in the ground, you put forth the sickle because the harvest has come. So here's a take home statement that I want you to write down. Your current sowing produces your future showing. I'm going to say that again. Your current sowing produces your future showing. And see, that's why the enemy tries to uh, get believers to become inconsistent in their giving. Because he knows that what you're giving today is not for today. It's actually for down the road. So when you start skipping periods of giving, you don't know when that, that blank time that you got off. Because how many know you can get off sometimes? You get off and you don't know when you're going to need that harvest. So watch this now. Let me show you something else. Uh, in Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, it says, Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all your increase. One of our members came to me last week and said, Pastor, it's tithing. Do you do it from your gross or do you do it from your net? And I quoted this verse to him and there's so many others just in this one. It says, Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all. Everybody say all. So here's the question, is gross or net, which one is all? You're gross. We can't help it that Uncle Sam and the IRS and the FDIC and the CIC and, and all those people took the money. No, no, no. He says, all of your increase, verse 10 says, so shall your barns be filled with plenty and your presses shall burst out with new wine. I love the message translation. This is what it says. Honor God with everything you own. Give him the first and the best. Your barns will burst. Your, your wine vats will brim over. Does that sound like something happens after you give? So we have a, a, an expectation that is proper that when we give, and that doesn't matter what you're giving. I'm talking about money today, but it doesn't matter. That's why some people live in a cycle of difficulty because they're sowing seeds of difficulty. How many know mean people at work? Mean people at work. Mean people. All right. That's all? How many are the mean people at work? Let me see. <laughs> no, no. People who are like that, they're sowing seed and their lives are in disarray. And it's because they're sowing seeds for that. Now, what's interesting is something that Jesus said in Acts twenty thirty five. We quote the verse. I just kind of want to give some clarity on it. It says that Jesus said that it is more blessed to give than receive. Now, let me tell you what Jesus did not say. He did not say it is more blessed to give and never receive. Did y'all get that? 
In other words, he said, oh, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Why would he even say that? Because you can't become a receiver until you have become a giver. But he did not say it is more blessed to give and never receive. So I need you, because see, I'm dealing with some traditional mindsets in here who was raised and taught that you don't expect God to do nothing for you when you give. You should just be happy and just give to the Lord because he loves a cheerful giver. Yes, but a seed is designed to produce a harvest. Amen. Now, here's a take-home thought. Everybody say a take-home thought. Everybody say, hmm, here it is right here. A lust to get should never be the motive of a pure heart to give. I'm going to rewind that one because you didn't get it. Here we go. A lust to get should never be the motive of a pure heart to give. In other words, when you give, it shouldn't shouldn't be because you have a lustful heart to just get back. Just get it. Oh, I'm going to give this because I want this back. No, 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 no. It's going to come back anyway. You just have to make sure you're giving from a pure heart because, see, your heart is is the ground. Amen. I mean, our family, one of the genetic things that we uh, purposely raise in our family is that we are givers. Everybody's a giver. Heaven's a giver. Land is a giver. My wife and I were givers. I mean, we have giving on three of our cars. Live to give, give to live, and a giver. Why? Because it's something that we live our lives by. Amen. So let me give you lot number two. Here's lot number two. This is going to be deep right here now. I'm going to have to, you know, I'm going to have to help y'all on this one. Lot number two. God accepts anything I give him. Now, touch your neighbor and say, you better listen now. (laughs) What a lie. You know, Christians actually believe that whatever they decide to put in that offering basket that just went by, that whatever they put in there, God accepts. Well, I'm here to tell you, God doesn't. Now, let me tell you who will. The church. (laughs) We will take it, honey. Put it in there and we will spend it. It is erroneous thinking that God accepts anything we give. And I'm about to help some of you all. Because you're giving your way. When God has a way. Now watch this. Go to Genesis chapter 4. Go to Genesis 4. I'm going to stay here for a minute. Genesis chapter 4. Lie number 2 is that God accepts anything that I give him. Now let me show you. I'm going to show you a New Testament example and an Old Testament example that that is not the case. Watch this now. Genesis 4, look in verse 1. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. And she uh, again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of the sheep. But Cain was a tiller of the ground. They both had two different occupations. Look in verse 3. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering. Everybody say, Cain brought an offering. He brought an offering and he brought it to the Lord. So at least Cain had enough sense to knew knew who he was giving his offering to. Okay? He was bringing it to who? The Lord. So when you give in church, you're not giving it to me. You're not even giving it to word of truth. You're giving it to the Lord. 
Amen. Well, let's see what happened uh, in verse 5, verse 4. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and some fat thereof. That's a different kind of giving that he did. Do you notice that? One gave an offering and then one gave a first fruit and some fat. Now, I've explained that before. And if you haven't listened, go on the website. You can figure out the two. But I want to show, I do want to say this, that God had to have given them some instructions on how to give to him or they would not have known how to do it. Okay. And, and I'm going to prove it to you because in verse five, uh, uh, verse four, it says, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering, he didn't have respect. In other words, one came and they gave to the Lord and God accepted it. And the other one came and gave and God didn't, which means that God had to explain to both of them what they were supposed to do because it would be unfair of God to expect them to do something that he hadn't explained to them. Okay, so apparently Cain decided I'm not going to give what God told me to give him. Abel decided, well, the Lord wants me to give a tent, a first. He wants me to give that first and then He also wants me to give him an offering. So I gave him some fat. Everybody say that's tithe and offering right there. Okay, so watch this. It says in verse 6 or verse 5. But unto Cain and to his offering, he didn't have respect. And Cain got angry. That's Christians right there. I gave $5 to the Lord. I ain't seen no return yet. (laughs) Well, you gave it in 1995 when we started the church. Look at verse 6. And the Lord said unto Cain, why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? 2016. Why do you have an attitude, Cain? Verse 7. If you do well, Cain, will you not be accepted? And if you don't do well, sin lies at your door. Now, let me ask you a question. Did God accept what Cain gave? No. And you know what? God don't accept what we give if we don't do it the right way. Okay, you say, well, Pastor Evan, show me another. Go to Acts chapter 5. Let's look at this one. Now, this one is a famous, it, it can be seen as controversial. Because of what happened in the situation. But I just want to point out the principle. The principle is this. God does not accept anything we give, everything that we give him if we're not giving it right. Acts chapter 5, look in verse 1. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, they sold a piece of property. In other words, they owned some acreage. They decided to sell it. With his wife's full knowledge... I'm reading out of the NIV, I believe. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. So what happened is, let's say they had 10 acres and they sold it for a million dollars. Well, Ananias decided, okay, well, I'm going to give the apostles half a million and I'll keep half a million. Now, it's his piece of property, right? Well, let's see what happened. In verse 3. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, was it the money at your disposal? What what made you think of doing such a thing? So you said, Pastor, what's going on? What happened was, apparently, Ananias decided... He told the, the, you know, he says, what I sold this for, I'm giving all of it to you. So he made it look like whatever he sold it for is what he gave the whole amount. But that's not what happened. 
Now, I'll, I'll give more details in just a minute. But So let's see what happened. He says, you have not lied to men, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. Oh, my God. Can you imagine in church service, the offering bucket going by and people just dying? Wouldn't have nobody giving wrong one. And everybody be giving right up in this place, one. <laughs> Watch this though. He fell down and died, and great fear seized on all who heard what happened. And so then verse 6 says, Then the young men came forward, wrapped up his body, carried him out, and buried him. He didn't even have a funeral. (laughs) Then about three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, "Uh uh-oh, uh-oh, here we go now, watch this. Tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? What he was saying was, if what what you give us, is that the amount that you sold it for? Now, she, she apparently didn't know what happened to her husband. I guess she was out at Bloomingdale shopping for, with some of that money. When Peter asked her, she said, yes, that is the price. At least they were in agreement. Peter said to her, how could you agree to test the spirit of God? Look, the feet of the men who bury your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also. It's funny. Look at verse 10. And at that moment, she fell down at his feet and she died. Then the young men came in and finding her dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. She didn't get a funeral either. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Now, to really understand what actually happened, we must go back to the end of Acts chapter 4. Okay, so let's go to Acts chapter 4. Let's look in verse 31. Because what was the big deal? They owned some land. They wanted to keep some of it and not give it all. What's the big deal? Well, look at Acts chapter 4, look at verse 31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting, it's talking about the apostles, was shaken and, the, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Look in verse 32. All, everybody say all. All the believers were one in heart. They were one in mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own. Man, that's awesome. Watch this. But they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And much grace, I'm going to come back to that in a minute. Much grace was upon them all. Notice grace was released when giving was taking place. Watch this now. From the time to time, those who owned lands or houses 
They sold them. Watch this. They brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Watch what was going on. People were selling their homes, selling property, and giving all of the money to the apostles so the apostles could distribute it to people who need it. Watch now verse 36. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, watch what he did. He sold a field he owned, and he brought the money, and he put it at the apostles' feet. So now we move from there to the story of Ananias and Sapphira. They watched all these people sell their stuff and give all the money. So they wanted to look like they were givers and they weren't. See, God prefers, like Jamaicans say, honesty. You have to be honest. See, in Jamaica, you know, I lived there for two years and my roommate could never, he never got my name right. My name was Heaven. (laughs) He would put an H on words that don't need H's and put, I'm like, so, so, what's Eve's name? Heave. Haddam. I'm like, okay, well, whatever you say, brother. They saw people doing it. Watch this. They wanted the credit. They wanted to look like they were givers. When in their heart, they weren't. So, did God accept what they gave? Well, we can ask them if they're in heaven, because I don't know. All right, here's lot number three. Here's lot number three. Mm, this is good right here. Well, let me just give you four ways to give real quick. Can I give you that? Here are four ways you can give. First of all, they all start with an S, is you can give the standard. Everybody say the standard. And that's, that's tithe or the tenth or the first. That's what that is. And then you, the second way to give is sowing. Everybody say sowing. This is when we give offerings to God and when we bless others. See, remember now, if you just read, that's what happened to, to Abel. Abel gave a first and some fat. Everybody say first and some fat. That's, that's called tithe and offering. When you go and read Proverbs 3, 9, honor the Lord with your substance and, watch this, with the first fruit. So you got the first fruit, you got the substance. Everybody say tithe and offering. Okay, when you go and read Malachi chapter 3, Malachi says, you know, you've robbed me. He says, how have you robbed me? He says, you've robbed me in tithe and offering. And see, this is why the average believer ain't blessed. Because when it's time to tithe, you don't give no offering. That, who are you to change how God want to do it? I mean, if you want to be blessed the way he says be blessed, then why don't you just do it his way? See, some of y'all today, you gave a tithe, no offering. Listen, before when that bucket in the back, when it's time to leave, put something in there. Look at your name and say, he's talking to you right now. So you got the standard. You got sowing. That's when we give our offerings to God and when we bless others. Then the third one is special giving. Say special giving. And that's when we give towards something specific. It's like our Project 360 fund. All right? And you can see that throughout all the Bible when there are special times that God wanted his people to give. And then the last one is sacrificial giving. Everybody say sacrificial giving. And this is giving that stretches our faith and typically contradicts our circumstances. This is when God wants us to do something 
that's beyond that contradicts our circumstance. You look, you go, God, you told me to 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 give a hundred dollars, and that's all I got in my pocket. Everybody say that's a contradiction. But see, anytime God tells you to do something, He's got a reward on His mind. All right. So now let's look at lie number three. Here's lie number three. Oh, this is good right here. This one's good. Lie number three. When I give money, I only get money back. I'm just going to let it be real still. Let that sink in. See, some people believe when I give money, that's what I get back. I mean, the Bible says, give and it shall be given unto me. Good measure, press down, shake the other, run it over. Yeah, it does say that. But I'm going to show you something about giving that you've never seen before. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Go to 2 Corinthians 9. When I give money, I only get back money. That's a lie. I'm going to show you why it's a lie. 2 Corinthians 9. I'm about to broaden your thinking now. See, I'm trying to get you at a different level of thinking. The problem with most believers is they are narrow-minded in their thinking when it comes to giving. So if they only think God can bless them with their job, that's the only time God can come through. No, no. It says the windows of heaven. It didn't even say window. I wonder how many windows are up there. I'm not going to limit it to one. And see, some of y'all, you know, I can see you. You at the window at your boss's office. His window. Wrong window, baby. No, I'm not saying God can't use your job. But, but, but God's bigger than your job. Watch this now. 2 Corinthians 9. I'm going to read it in two versions, but let's just start with King James. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. And he who sows or gives bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give. Now remember, you're not giving until after you tithe. All right. He says, so let him give. Watch this. Not grudgingly. Or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Verse 8, here we go. And God is able to make all what? Grace do what? Abound toward you. Watch this now. Here's the second thing. That you always, say always. You always having all sufficiency in all things. Why? So you can continue to abound in every good work. I want you to see something here. God said after you give, grace and all sufficiency is released every time. That's more than money. I'm going to read a testimony here in just the end. If you notice, he says, he'll cause all grace. Now, what does that word grace mean? Watch this. It means acceptance. Got turned down for a job? Man, begin to declare grace abounding over you. It's also the word benefits. Wow, that's what happened to that first testimony. Listen, God changed that company's policy for our member. Let's see, I know some of y'all going, I don't believe that. That's why it ain't happening to you. (laughs) Now, Now, listen, I decided to teach this morning like I would be at somebody else's church. Okay, see, when I'm at somebody else's church, I just be bold and I don't care if I offend nobody because it's the truth and I ain't going to see them no more. And so, you know, I'm going to leave. 
going to leave. So typically I don't teach y'all like that because I got to see y'all next week. But today I just decided I'm going to give it to you like I get it, you know. <laughs> okay. All right. He says he'll cause all grace. It means acceptance. It means benefits. Listen, uh, I don't know, uh, maybe four years ago, uh, my wife likes Escalades. And so, you know, we have members that work at GM. I have friends that work at GM. So, you know, you could use the family discount thing and all that kind of stuff. And so uh, we were looking to buy another Escalade because our lease was up on the one that we had. And so when we went in there, uh, it was like, let's say it was like 2014, but the 2015s had come out. And so they had, you know, just come out. And so we went in there and saw one. We liked it. And so we went in by. He said, well, we don't have a lease program for that right now because we're trying to still get the 14s out. So we haven't developed a 15 program for leases. And we're not going to do that until we get rid of a lot of these new 14s. Because if you put the leasing program in place for the 15s, people will stop buying the 14s. Made sense to them. Not if the desire of our heart is a 2015. So I, I, I call one of my friends who I have in high places. And they sent an email up to someone who was way up there at General Motors. These are the people you never see. These are the people who make decisions at the stroke of a pen and you never meet them. They sent an email up to this person say, hey, I got a friend. He's a pastor. He, he, he wants to lease the new 2015s, but we don't have a lease program for that yet. And so I'm sitting now. We're sitting at the dealership in front of the sales guy, the finance person. They're like, well, I'm sorry. Well, you just have to, you know, either just buy it or you have to wait till the program comes out. And then I get a text from my friend. Tell the guy to check his computer again. So I said, uh, excuse me, sir, uh, can you go back and look and see if there's a program out there again? He was like, for what? I said, just, just do it. He said, how'd you do that? <laughs> God changed the policy for us. Everybody say benefits. Here's the third one. That word grace means favor. It also means gifts. It means liberality. It means pleasure. Now, I'm going to run through these real fast because I'm running out of time. But I'm going to show you this word, the, the word grace there. I'm going to show you different English words in the New Testament that is the same Greek word as this word grace. Okay, so here we go. Luke chapter 2, verse 52. This is what it says. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor. Say favor. Favor with God and man. That word favor is the same word grace. Acts chapter 2, verse 46 and 47, it says, And they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. Everybody say, that's true group. They did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor. Say favor. Favor with all the people. That word favor is the same word grace. In other words, when you and I give, we can expect some favor to show up in our life. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 3, it says, And when I come, whosoever you shall approve by your letters, this was Paul writing to the, uh, the church in Corinth, he says, Them will I send to bring your liberality unto Jerusalem. That word liberality is the same Greek word for the word grace. In other words, when you give, you can expect some liberality to come in your direction. 
First Peter chapter two, verse 20 says this. For what glory is it if when you be buffeted for your faults, you shall take it patiently? But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable to God. That word acceptable is the same Greek word for the word grace. Watch this now. Which means that if somebody is denying you of something that God has promised, eventually they're going to have to cause it to be accepted. Watch this now. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 15 says this. Oh, I like this one. And this is the confidence I was minded to come unto you before, that you might have a second benefit. See that word benefit? It's the same Greek word for grace, which means now I should expect some benefits. That's three words. Benefits. When I give. And see, that's why giving is more than money coming back. See, sometimes favor can take you places money can get you. Amen. So what I want to do is close with a testimony. And then I'm going to give you four things that you can do to apply this word to your life right now. This is a long testimony. They apologized ahead of time. But it's so much in it that I couldn't take it out. So I just want you to listen to this. Good morning, Pastor. This message is a response to the Survivor Series sermon during the single service title, Me, Myself, and God as well as the testimony leading up to that day and the results occurring afterwards. I was struggling to move beyond my feelings of defeat and rejection from not securing employment before the start of the new school year as a special education teacher. After seven months of interviews, I did not receive any offers, feedback until the end of this summer as the reason why I was not hired. Although I held my special education certification, a few of my latter interviews informed me, listen, without an additional certification in a content area, English, science, whatever, I was told I was not hireable or qualified. It was discouraging, especially witnessing some individuals I knew were hired with less credentials and experience. I didn't react because I knew a blessing was coming my way. I was extremely challenging, or it was extremely challenging, but something inside of me would not let go. Listen, I decided earlier this year to sow more into the church. After making that decision, I was faced with several financial strains. One was a major decrease in income. Sporadic things were happening such as unexpected fees, injuries, illnesses, and repairs targeting to drain my finances. Let me just stop right there. Because that's what the devil, he does sometimes. He does not want you to stay in faith. He wants you to regret the seeds you sowed. And that's why sometimes when you start giving right towards God and start, start acting up, and you go, oh no, I should have done that. No, no, don't say that. Let's see what happened. She says, although my monthly income decreased, I paid more money for tithes, increased my offering, and maintained my commitment to Project 360. I gave sacrificial gifts on our annual giving Sunday this year. Amen. I like that. Watch this. I will admit the results were not immediate. I knew my sowing into the kingdom would spill over into all areas of my life. I reminded myself in every life situation, there is a lesson to learn and the process is not always pleasant or flow the way you would like. August rolled around and I still had no teaching job offer. Feeling dejected, I was grateful to have a job. I returned to my job as a special education teacher assistant. We were greeted with spray bottles and gloves and a towel saying we must now clean up and wipe down the hallways of the school. 
She says, I humbly, I humble myself and begin to clean those walls. I didn't want pride to be the reason for not receiving my blessings. I prayed for the answer to why all of the countless applications in both regions were not working. And I cried out to God like he didn't know. And all the sacrifices of late nights and days of no sleep and earning degrees and passing my test. Finally, this is what they say. Uh, I walked into the front of the church seeking prayer for guidance. And the gentleman prayer warrior spoke things in prayer. I did not speak out loud to anyone. See, this is why the pastor don't have to pray for you down here. They received prayer from just a a regular leader. Watch this. He says, I had to change. Uh, Well, let me just back up here. It says, God could not bless me to be a leader or to be the recipient of a higher level of blessing with the same mindset and with the lack of confidence I had in my abilities. I had to change what I perceived as failures, delays, and setbacks as the necessary process for these things to become the pavers on the path God designed and guided for my destiny. It's also part of his plan for me to succeed. Why would this season be any different? Covered by the prayers and support of my family as well as my church, I surrendered. I decided before the end of the service to change my self-esteem from feelings to knowing. A thought into action. I am what God has called me to be. I'm beautiful. I'm intelligent. I'm an educated woman of God possessing faith and favor. Watch this. The following Tuesday, the same week of the sermon, and me surrendering it all to God, I received a phone call from a school district that I had interviewed with two weeks before school started. And although I was not hired for that job, I interviewed for that, and, and, they, and uh, they stayed in contact with hoping to find a position in the district. The principal was so impressed with my interview. And wanted me to join their school. Watch this. In the middle of the school district. In the school's term. The same one. Watch this. That I was told by several districts. I was not qualified. But God showed me favor. Everybody say favor. He showed me favor. He opened a door. No man could shut for a job. And watch this. So now I'm going to go all the way down now. And so now. We're down here. It says I'm Uh, The majority of my students I service have severe disabilities, blah, blah, blah. I am a strong advocate for my students. And then here's the kicker. It has been 10 days for me being on the job at the time of this email. I was informed by my special education principal and other teachers. I've done more for them in one week than the previous teacher did in several years. When I joined this church, I was homeless, jobless, college dropout, struggling to raise two children. After failing to salvage a shattered marriage, I am now a confident, educated professional who is able to provide for her family doing what I love. My finances have been regenerated. I'm expecting six checks this month from various unexpected sources. And have been notified I get a surprise check next month as well. I truly believe this, be, this is because of my faithful tithing, offering, Project 360 giving, my service, my prayer, and th- that made this possible. I'm grateful and to have a supportive praying family and church family. What's my point? Sometimes what we're giving doesn't show up until we need it. Listen, her income has doubled. Now, I don't know about y'all. Think about it. Let's just think about it for a second. Oh, man, I'm way up. Ooh. Okay, okay, don't think about it. 
Do it when you get home. But what I want you to think about is what it would feel like if your income doubled. Watch this. So how do we apply this message? Number one, remember that God sees our giving. Number two, God always accepts what we give him when we start with his standard. Number three, give with expectation for increase in favor to show up in your life. Did you learn something this morning? Give the Lord a hand clap if you did. With every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm just going to pray over you right now. I feel led to pray. Where the enemy has tried to come in like a flood. God is going to raise up a standard in your financial life. Father, your word says where the enemy, when he tries to come in like a flood, you will raise up a standard by the spirit of God. Father, where the enemy has tried to attack and delay and distract and create problems in the members' financial life, I declare in the name of Jesus Christ that the Spirit of God has already lifted a standard. And Father, I pray for a hedge of protection over their financial life. And God, begin to reverse the curse. Begin to reverse what the enemy has tried to do in their lives. I pray that, Lord, as of today, they'll walk out of here with an expectation that grace and favor is coming into their lives. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen. With every head still bowed, if you're here today.